I can count on one hand how many people know what I'm about to say next. So over $600,000 a year in cash flow residual income, over $50,000 a month residual income coming in. By January 22nd, so not even full 30 days later, it, I found out that the properties were $109,000 in the red per month. I had an executive assistant that was cooking my books, executive assistant that was embezzling $739,000 worth of cash flow and, and money out of my accounts, and the executive assistant that was charging up lines of credits that put me more in debt. Welcome to the Action Academy Podcast. Stand back while I celebrate freedom. The show where we help you achieve financial independence with the mindsets, methods, and actionable steps from guests who've already earned their freedom. The flags of freedom fly. Choose to do what you want. What you want. With who you want. With who you want. When you want. When you want. With another episode today. Now, here's your host, Brian Lubin. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? This is your host, as always, Brian Lubin with the Action Academy podcast, a show that teaches you how to replace corporate with cash flow and helps you unlock your inner entrepreneur. Guys, there's a lot of new listeners to the show today because I'm sending it out to literally every single person I know. Um, my ask for you guys on this one, I don't normally make an ask like this, but my ask on this one, sincerely, if you are 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes deep in this podcast, I will earn every single bit of this ask that I'm about to make. Please share this show. This specific episode is a magical one. It's a powerful one. It is not a typical one. And I have done over 400. I think we're up into the 500s of interviews now. And this was one that just happened because it was supposed to happen. And it is sensational. The reason this interview is so special is because it began actually as me in the guest seat on Wally's podcast, the 24-7 Mindset Show. He's a friend of mine, and he was interviewing me about my life, my story, my business, and then he shared some bombs. He dropped some bombshells that happened to him in 2023, and now how he not only went through these events in his life, in his business with so many commas and zeros and fraud and mistakes and market trends and everything that could go wrong just went wrong for him. And he shared how he not only went through it, but how he persevered through it and how he came back stronger on the other side of it. And I think that there aren't enough podcasts that are talking about the bullshit, the shit that you go through. Because in entrepreneurship, we have this bright green light that everyone shines on it like everything is sunshine daffodils and roses but that's not the case and anybody that's a seasoned entrepreneur that's listening to this show today knows this so while i begin this interview in the guest seat for about the first 10 minutes it is a beautiful dance between wally and me of me transitioning back into the host seat back into the guest seat and it just becomes this really cool conversation just a conversation that you would have at four o'clock in the morning with some whiskey by a fire and you guys get it live. It's rare to be this in the pocket for both of us and have both of us be so on our A game. But guys, this podcast could save your business. This podcast could keep you in the game. This podcast is great for somebody that's making a million dollars a year, $10 million a year, 50, or even your first 500,000 if you have your first freaking rental property. This podcast will change lives. It will change businesses. And it is very beneficial to have Wally be able to share what he has gone through and give his advice and tips for people 
so that they can avoid the mistakes that happened to him. So to give some context to Wally for people that are brand new to the show, this is my friend Wally Alibieri. He runs a large mortgage company and he has a lot of residual income coming in from his rental properties portfolio of over 500 doors. He was cash flowing on paper, as you could see from the cold open, uh, over $50,000 a month. And so this is a guy that's well into the eight figures and he's having eight figure problems. So Today's episode is going to be absolutely wonderful, and I hope that you guys enjoy it every single step of the way through. Once again, I ask if you do enjoy it, please share this episode with every single person that you know that could benefit from it, especially in today's economic environment. So without any further ado, I'll step step off my high horse here and uh, we'll get into the pocket. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I enjoyed uh, recording it with Wally and Uh, please send Wally a message. I'm going to have his Instagram in the show description. Uh, Please send him a message and thank him for being so vulnerable on today's show and sharing all this stuff. He didn't have to. He could have just sugarcoated it. We could have glossed over it, but he uh, opened the kimono and now all of you get to directly benefit for free from this advice. Guys, Action Academy podcast, let's go. Into it, Brian. Perfect. All right. So I am super fortunate today. The biggest thing I'm really excited about is I get to interview and spend some time with someone that Alec had just stepped out of the room and I said, you got to get to know Brian. He's out of Austin, which you're rarely ever in Austin, but you're out of Austin (laughs) and one of the top 10 coolest guys I know under 30. I'm assuming you're still under 30 or are you over 30 now? 29, man. So I'm honored to make the the distinguished cut. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to throw that on my book. I'm going to put the Wally stamp of approval on the book. <laughs> no, man, I, I love our interviews together. It was super cool. I think one of the uh, one of the posts clips that you make went viral on it. I remember showing it to my two kids, my teenage boys. I'm like, look, dad's famous. And they were like, cool, dad, moving on. So <laughs> it's funny because the clip that you're talking about is actually a strategy that you shared on my show, The Action Academy. And uh, for people listening, it was talking about your time management system, which I've since implemented. And it's very difficult to have virality from a podcast. Growing a podcast is the hardest thing to do. And I can prove it because I'll make a million dollars in revenue from my podcast before I'll hit a million downloads. So it's easier to build a million dollar business than it is to build a million download podcast. And your clip, for some reason, every time I post it, it just hits every time. And I think I got you about... 2 million views on that, which is ridiculous. <laughs> so it's, hey, it's, it speaks to the content. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Cool. Tell me a little bit about, so the people that don't know you, who is Brian and what is Brian about? Yeah, I'll give my 30-second elevator pitch because this is what I've done every day for the last two years. I've done a podcast every day for 400 and no, probably 562 days now, I believe. Wow, so that's crazy. I, yeah, I podcast every single day. I'm either a guest or a host. But what's up, guys? My name is Brian. My main jam and my main gig that I talk about on podcasts and on social is ditching corporate, placing corporate with cash flow and unlocking your inner entrepreneur, which is what I did. So I left a quarter million dollar a year corporate job in March of 2022. I made it to the top of a Fortune 500 company, won all the awards, did all the things and really put my 10,000 hours in as Cal Newport calls it, like career capital. Like I really did the thing and mastered my craft, which was sales. So I could sell ice to a freaking Eskimo if I wanted to. And when I made it to the top, I was starting to ask the question, what do I want? What income do I want? What lifestyle do I want? 
And I started looking at my boss's boss, so forth and so on. And I just realized that this was not a path that would provide what I wanted for in both economics and in my lifestyles. What resulted from that was me planning my escape, bought a little bit of real estate, started up my own side business, which turned into the main business. Left my job in March of 2022, replaced quarter million dollars a year in passive income, quote unquote, which we can get into in the podcast, and did the next best logical thing, which was leave everything and everyone I knew, hopped on a one-way flight, traveled full-time around the world for eight months, and now it's a year and a half later. I'm still not bankrupt, been to 35 countries, and it works. So it wasn't just a flash in the pan, which makes for a way better podcast. (laughs) Absolutely, but I guess... So what I try to tell people is sometimes you can share your success and you've got this massive success at such a young age, but it can be sometimes intimidating. And I try to tell people, do not compare your chapter one to my chapter 20. Mm. So bring us back to the first 30 days. You've quit corporate. You've gone out on your own. What were your feelings? What did you feel inside? And like, how'd you get over your fears to keep moving forward? Oh, I was a calm, cool cucumber, man. Like, perfect. Okay. I'm perfect and nothing never goes wrong. What are you talking about? Yeah, okay. No, that'd make, for, that'd make for a terrible podcast, huh? No. So here's the cool thing, guys. And it's something, the faster that you learn this lesson, the faster you will grow. And I'm able to grow at the rate that I am right now, where I could really implement scale and leverage because I stopped asking the question how, and I started asking the question who and where. And because of that's where scale comes from. And Wally does the same thing. It doesn't, doesn't disappear. You don't become worth 10 million, 20 million, 50 million, and then just stop this game. It just becomes more difficult to find your who's and more expensive. So the faster you start playing the game, the faster that you can scale. So I tell people, cash flow will get you out of your job. Community keeps you out of your job. So your rental properties have not evolved. The technology is not advanced to the point where they will hold you when you're crying at night when you can't make payroll, when everything's going wrong, and that's your people. So what happened was I left my job. I had the $20,000 a month coming in. I had a six-month emergency reserve cash cushion. I had everything done right on paper. I had a thriving community of people that I, like you included, Wally, that I was able to lean on for advice and everything. And I finally did the thing and I left the job. And immediately afterwards, I'm planning my first month in Greece in July of 2022. And I'm writing down in my journal and I'm saying, I wake up in Greece, like this is what's going to happen. And my mantra that I would repeat to myself is I wake up in Greece with peace. I wake up in Greece with peace because I had this under underlying and overwhelming anxiety, this sense of dread who can relate listening to this podcast that everything is going right. And the only thing you can focus on is what's about to screw up. What's about to go wrong. That was me. So I'm writing this morning I wake up in Greece in peace and my arm goes numb. And I was just like, what? I can't move my arm. And I was like, that's not normal. And immediately I start freaking out. And it's all the symptoms of a freaking heart attack. But it's a panic attack. And I was like, it was one of those situations where I went and talked to my girlfriend at the time. And I was like, hey, we got to call the 911. Like, I got to go to the hospital. She goes, no, you're okay. You're having a panic attack. And this is the first time I've ever experienced it. And so I walked outside and I called one of our fellow Go Bros. So Wally and I are both in a mastermind group called Go Abundance. And I said, dude, like I'm, I, my body is literally fighting against me physically. I'm so scared. Did I make the wrong decision? Is this the right move? 
And he said a line that I think is really important for you guys because I have context to it, to it now, which is, this is about to be the scariest thing you've ever done. But a year from now, you're going to get through it. You're going to get over it. And then you're going to be on the podcast telling everybody how worth it it was. Yeah. Everything worth having is on the other side of fear. And so that's a whole point of conversation that we could have because anything worth having is on the other side of fear. And I pushed through and I did the trip and I did the things and I had everything go right that I wanted and everything go wrong that I didn't even imagine. <laughs> I still survived, baby. And now here well, we are. And I think also you've, you've got to, the viewers have to understand is it sounds super sexy to quit your job. It sounds super mm-hmm. It's amazing. You had $20,000 of residual income coming in. You had six months with the reserves. That might sound a lot to a lot of people, but it's not. It is really not. And that $20,000 in cash flow sounds great. You're a couple emergencies away from all that being eliminated for whatever reason, or if the $20,000 of cash flow is coming in from, from rental properties. Like for me, earlier this year, January 1 this year, 2023, on paper, my cash flow for my properties was over $600,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And not, I can count on one hand how many people know what I'm about to say next. So over $600,000 a year in cash flow residual income, over $50,000 a month residual income coming in. By January 22nd, so not even full 30 days later, it, I found out that the properties were $109,000 in the red per month. I had an executive assistant that was cooking my books, executive assistant that was embezzling $739,000 worth of cash flow and and money out of my accounts, an executive assistant that was charging up lines of credits that put me more in debt, an executive assistant that was giving me falsified bank statements and accounting statements to the point where like you wake up and, and it even, so that's like the financial challenge. Now, this not even talk about like the emotional hurt inside of feeling violated. And if mm. anybody knows my story, October of last year, I ruptured my Achilles. I was playing a pickleball actually with Osborne in, in Palm Springs. And and I put I go through six weeks of on a scooter, six weeks on crutches, six weeks on in a boot. And then the second day after getting out of my boot, I ruptured it again. Mm. So then they put me eight weeks in a cast and you got to do all over again. That was right in the middle of finding out this, everything with the executive assistant. So I'm on the couch. I'm trying to recover from my second surgery. I'm in a cast. I'm $700,000 light in cash in the bank. And now I've got $100,000 plus in negative cash flow coming in from the properties because of the capital expenditures and the rehabs. It's, the world can change super quick. But what I love about your story, Brian, is you thought you positioned yourself well enough to have a fighting chance. Mm-hmm. I positioned myself well enough to have a fighting chance. But on the other side of the coin, when the blank hits the fans, you don't cower down. You double down. You don't cower down. You double down and you move forward, which I love hearing mm. your story. Man, and thank you for sharing that too, because that's insanely powerful. Because there's this facade that you can out earn problems. Mm-hmm. But what you quickly learn is different levels, different devils. Yep. So 100%. then you get up to Osborne's level, the 100 million plus, and now it's lawsuits. And then you get up to yep. Gary Keller level, and then all of a sudden you wake up one morning and there's a billion dollar lawsuit against you. 
that just passed. And so I've learned, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be around you guys. And that's advice that I give to every single person in the audience is it doesn't really matter if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. You need to be around these other rooms because it's exposure therapy. Problems don't yep. ever go away. They just look different. The only thing that changes is your ability to mentally handle them and how fast you get derailed and for what prolonged period of time. Because it's you can't lose if you don't quit. And for you to go through something like that is awful because now you're questioning not only your economics, but more so your trust and your team. And so that's such a hurdle to overcome, man. So I commend you for that, making it through it. Because when it rains, it pours, man. It rains when it pours, but also I think the most difficult thing to me was not making the money back. It was not going through physical therapy all over again for the second Achilles tear. It was going home and explaining to my wife. It was going Mm -hmm. home and telling my two kids. And this executive assistant was super close to our family. And he was in our world for years. He was in our family will. He was in our trust. Wow. Um, yeah. Like he's, he was super intertwined with our world and he played basketball with my kids all the time. They talk all the time via text. And when you go home and you explain to them like what that person did, they feel violated and explaining it back then they were 17 and 15 and explaining it to a a couple of teenage boys and then trying to get your wife to understand that it's going to be okay. And on the other side of the coin, my main income business is mortgage. What happened to rates last year? They went from 3% to 8%. Mm-hmm. So profitability is down over 300% in mortgage. While now I've got a $100,000 monthly nut that I've got to cover in all these properties because of, the, of the mismanagement. And I've got $700,000 less in cash while I'm still trying to maneuver around with a scooter and take an Uber everywhere. But I think the most difficult thing about it all is you feel alone as a man. You feel alone as a person because not only do I have to come to work and put on a smiling face to everybody at the office so we'd bounce back in the mortgage space, but then I had to come to the properties and rally the troop and rally the asset managers and rally the property managers and rally the banks and then and get back, get that back and going. But then you had to come home and then get my wife where she was not freaking out, get my kids to the point. Like it gets entrepreneurial, sounds so sexy from the outside. But when you f- start feeling like you've got to be everything for everyone and the blank hits the fans and there's nobody there that you feel you can talk to, it gets really lonely. Mm-hmm. So what I've learned where one of my biggest weaknesses is one thing I'm working on is asking for help. Matt King spent yeah. five hours with me uh, yesterday, uh, two days ago, I think it was Monday, five hours with me on a Zoom. And John White, which from Northwest, Good region, flew, yeah, he flew in town to spend five hours with me. And he left his office, left his family, got on a flight, flew in town, five hours, mastermind. And that took a lot out of me. And what was difficult for me was the ego aspect of it. I'm fine, I got it. You got the book, you got the bestseller list, you got the big mortgage business, you got the big house, you got the cars, you got the success. But I think what I love so much about your story and, and the, the video you posted this morning, which I, I've watched twice so far, it was a quick video talking about authenticity about the journey. Mm-hmm. And it is, I, if I look back as I was going through the storm and why I feel like me watching your video this morning gave me bravery to be able to share my story publicly with you on a wow. big center stage like this today. I love your content. 
it, it means the world to me that you, you're putting it out there. And this, I appreciate you being brave enough to share that because it helps me be more brave to ask for help. Dude, that almost that almost makes me tear up, dude. There was this woman that messaged me, and it was about a video I posted a year ago, and it was just. It may have been you again. It may have been you to give you, yeah, to lighten the mood a little bit, to give you a, get a little chuckle there. It may have been you, but it was something along the lines of like systems and going to the gym and yeah. about you fall, you rise to the level of your goals, but you fall to the level of your systems and your standards. Yeah. Something to that tune. And this woman texted, messaged me on Instagram. I don't normally read these. And she says, Hey, I want you to know I lost 106 pounds from a video that you posted last year. And I go look back at that video and it was an underperforming video. Yeah. It wasn't one of the viral ones. It was under the rug. And she watched that video and it hit her right when it was supposed to hit her. Yeah. And she lost 106 pounds. And I didn't know that. And I didn't know that you watched that video this morning. I was just 20 minutes ago thinking, oh, that one's kind of underperforming. Yeah. So it just goes to show you never know what you're doing but it's so important to put it out there because you don't know who you're helping or what line in a book or what quote on a podcast is like exactly what somebody needs. And there's been multiple times where that's been you for me. Yeah. I think what I've enjoyed so much, especially of the video this morning, is the, the context of it was around show the your failures. Yeah, show your failures, show your losses. And it was what I love so much about it was like, we had a team meeting yesterday around lunchtime and it was about 24 seven mindset, what we're doing and what we're building. And I'm learning as I go, man, I've never been a, I've never been an author before. I've never had my own Academy. I've never had my own podcast. I'm, there's so much I'm learning and I feel like the biggest amateur and there's so many mistakes that I've made. And one of my teammates, Caleb said, but you should, we should do like life of Wally in this new chapter. And it was like the journey. And I'm, my response, and I'm going to say this publicly because it's going to be transparent and honest. I was like, dude, like I'm failing at this being an author. I'm failing at this being a speaker. I'm failing about this. And they're going to see that. And no one's going to want to be part of my journey because they, they think I'm a success. And Caleb said something along the lines of, that's exactly it. You, they want to see you as you struggle. If not, they just think you're some polished, unapproachable dude. And when I saw the video this morning that, that, that I'm referring to on your, on your, it was like, yeah, Brian's right, man. And it was, so I'm excited to start a journey and start having a videograph. How do you start that? You think like a hiring a video, videographer or do you just me grab my phone and just make videos as I go? Dude, the rule is make it as simple as possible. Fancy fails, simple scales. Like just Ooh. make it as simple as possible, man. I would yeah. like with the resources that you have, like I would probably have a guy, but also what a, a very helpful tip that I've utilized is you have each idea has a lifespan and you are somebody that's mastered the concepts of margin yeah. in your business. And now that you have margin, you have what I, I call downloads. I don't know if Chris Harder, but he has this concept called downloads where it's just like that moment where inspiration kind of strikes. Okay. And whenever I get a download, it's just I'll be sitting here looking <laughs> over a Medellin here. I've got this freaking penthouse. It's awesome. And I'll be sitting outside in the sun and all of a sudden that idea comes, that quote comes. Yeah. 
But what most people do is they say, okay, cool, I'll do that later. But what I do is I immediately take out my phone and I write it down and I put it in my notes app. And I'm like, okay, cool. This is what I need to talk about and do a video on later. And it's just the less you focus on the production and you just put the content, I think people are over... I think the bullshit detectors are up. People are sick of the glitz and the glamour and the hormozy edits. And they just want to hear people just share their stories and their battle scars. Yeah. I think that the the authentic will go through because we could talk about revenue all night and all day. But it's just like you sharing that story is infinitely more powerful because now is I want to put my interviewer hat on <laughs> from, from my side. And I'm like, dude, I've got so many questions for you. I think it'd be beneficial to, to dive in a little bit deeper on that and some of the lessons because yeah. battle scars are what are celebrated. Nobody well, I think cares when we... as much about the victories. When we do your podcast, I think, and I just want to be transparent on it, that it's like we may, a good segment would be 101 ways Wally's failed. And it's, and this, I'm, it could be 10 ways, but I just feel it's, I'm so pulled and encouraged by the video you sent out this morning that I almost wanted to share all my failures. And selfishly, I feel lighter. Let's and, riff. Let's riff back and forth on it, man. So you had this failure right now. This is very top of mind. And because yep. it's, it's a personnel one, because you are so ingrained. So Matt King is a wonderful person to bring in operationally because he's seen everything back, forth, and sideways. So moving forward, first off, let's start with the emotional things. What's your relationship with failure now? I've always had the mindset of either either you fail or you, you, I'm sorry, you win or you learn. You never fail. And mm. to me, it's obviously it's old John, old John Maxwell quote. Now I've now I realized that in 2021, dude, I bought five apartment complexes in one year. Mm. I made millions in mortgage and rates were super low. Just absolutely crushed it. And buying five apartment complexes in one year over 13 million dollars in real estate just one year was Mm -hmm. awesome and I can easily afford it, easily qualify for it, and I had plenty in the bank. But what I didn't know was, okay, you bought five apartment complexes. Four of them are deep capital expenditure properties. They're big value adds. It's going to cost you between a million and a half to $2 million per property. Mm -hmm. So I bought $13 million in real estate. I was going to put $8 million into it and they're going to be worth about $34 million. So it's a huge upside just to those four apartment complexes. But the challenge from there was, okay, where are you getting the cash for the renovation? I'm getting it from the bank. Okay. Mistake, huge mistake that I made was, as I'm learning, when the fraud happened in January of 2023, I'm like, hold on, that's not time out. There's this thing called FDIC, right? You go back to the bank and you show them it's the fraud. It's quarter million. It's quarter yeah, million, quarter per, million more, per account. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was over like 24 accounts. So the 700,000 you can easily trace. And I got back to the bank and I said, Hey, what's your policy back for? What's your policy for pulling out withdrawals of the a bank of banks? And you've, well, you got you to have two signers. You've got to have an author. You've got to have a DocuSign that you sign. You've got to call and do it on a record line. I'm like, beautiful. None of these happened for all of these withdrawals out of my accounts and these transfers. So a mistake that I made was I had my attorney with me on that Zoom. 
the banks took it as you are you suing us and i said why would i sue you if you're going to refund my money of course i'm not going to sue you if you're going to refund my money and they said we need to talk it over i'm like if you're not going to refund my money and you're not going to follow the fdic rules and yes i'm going to sue you mm-hmm. they took that as a threat what did they mm-hmm. do they froze they all up. my accounts they froze all my accounts they froze my lines of credits that I was doing all the rehab work with. And then they did a global DSCR on me, which means that there's $13 million of loans that bank had that bank could call the loans due. I would have been bankrupt in a half. Like it, it would have been over for me. They call this $13 million of loans due. I've got $6 million in lines of credits that they would have had. And then also on that, I would have had the mortgages due that are full recourse. So the uneducated part of me, the lack of experience part of me, went into that situation instead of being curious, a mistake I made was coming to that situation with criticism. You did this wrong. You owe me money. You do, I'm like, it should have been more curious of, hey, how did this happen? Why did this happen? Who allowed this to happen? It would have been, I was naive to the fact of understanding that the bank was the bank had more control, more leverage than I gave them credit for. Mm-hmm. So fast forward now, after, after me having to cover $108,000 with the mortgage payments a month, then also on top of that, paying for all the rehab capital expenditures, over $6 million in cash on my pockets because the bank accounts were frozen. Now the bank and I have a better working relationship and then I'm starting to get my money back and now the, the portfolio has been stabilized. And there was, and there was never been anything that was ever late. But as you're going through these experiences, I had two options. I had a chance of cowering down or I had the option of doubling down. What made me successful through this storm was doubling down and and moving forward, which that's, I made the mistakes, had the failures, but I I learned from those failures and turned turned the failure into success. And now the bank and I have a better relationship than we've ever had before. And I understand the importance of having a better relationship with the bank. There is, it's really non-binary because it's such a muscle that needs to be built over decades. And you've already have some battle scars as an experienced entrepreneur already. What's some advice that you can give to people listening to develop that resiliency muscle? Because if you really zoom out, you, you can't lose if you don't quit. Because, you know, it's like the only thing, like you can lose the money, you can lose the businesses, but what you never lose is the skill set. You know, if you put Richard Branson on, a, on an island and said start a new business, he would do it because he possesses the skill set, which is arguably yeah. the most important thing of all of it. <laughs> Going through this, what are some tactics that you can recommend to people to develop that resiliency? Or to, let me clarify, to proactively develop that resiliency instead of just death by a thousand paper cuts. You know, where I feel by Achilles heel pun intended and in all this is my aggressive. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. That was good. Up, pun intended. <laughs> no, it's just the, the aggressiveness of to be a certain level of success. You got to be a driver. You got to want to take the hill. You've got to, but take you charge, realize, yeah. yeah, just you're a conqueror to have that kind of level of success. Sometimes the most successful are the most coachable. I analyzed hmm. the situation with the bank. I saw an angle to get my money back and I went forcefully at that angle to get my money back. 
Mm. I should have taken a step back. And the number one thing is if you're in the photo, you can't see the picture. You can't see the whole picture. If you're in the picture, you can't see the whole picture. I should have stepped back to see the full picture. And Hey, if I go down this direction, can I get hurt more? If I go down this other direction over here with the bank, can I get hurt less? What does it need to look like? Because my goal was to getting my money back. But when you realize that the route that I chose to get my money back could have ended everything because it was too aggressive at the wrong person that had too much control, which banks mm. have too, more, more control than I gave them credit for. Have you heard have you heard the Aesop's fable of the wind and the wind and the sun? No, tell me about it. And let's get so, and I want to dig into your book a little bit. Dude, fuck the book. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a it, it's something that I've been struggling with a lot because like you, we're all type A heat seeking missiles. Yeah. So it's like control, capital C. And so there's this quote called it's the wind versus the sun. So there was a challenge presented to remove the coat of this person that's walking. It was a wager between the wind and the sun. So the wind, I've got this, I'm going to blow and blow. And then what the result was the person just tightened on and held onto their coat because the wind is blowing so hard and they hold on to it. But then the sun said, I've got this. And it just shone brighter and hotter. Then eventually the person was like, oh, this feels so nice. This feels so warm. Let me take my coat off. And I learned that lesson and it's exactly what you're saying. It's when you come at something or any situation or any opposition with that force by design, by default, then they tighten onto their position. Whereas if you just say, hey, and, and I think out of every business lesson, I think the one you just shared may be the most valuable, which is how to keep your composure when you get punched in the face. Yeah. But how do you keep cool instead of just swinging back? Because it was very natural for all of us to just come absolutely scorched earth on that phone call and on that Zoom call. If you're the sun and you lead with curiosity, then you're maybe they would have from the beginning, it could have been nine months of avoidance there. It could have been a capital reallocation faster. So I want to let you riff on this, but there's another quote that my coach just helped me with. And he goes, we all have this tendency to to try to control our thoughts and we get pissed off still, especially at mediocrity or poor performance in, in any direction, which is partly what happened with you too. Yeah. And I struggle so much with controlling that first thought. That first thought is I'm going to rip this guy's throat out or I'm going to rip their freaking head off. And he said, it's okay to feel that, but then you can't control the first thought, but you can control the second. So I've built the muscle now of saying the second thought is that I've got it coming up now is does the first thought serve me? And does the first thought serve the situation? And that was just such a game changer for me too. What you're learning and what you're saying there, you, I diverted my negative emotions or negative passion for the situation at the wrong target. It's not the bank that hurt me. It was the executive assistant that hurt me. So It's like, I hurt, remember all the same, I'm sure you probably heard it. It's like giving yourself poison and expecting it to hurt your enemy. The other person, that, yeah. 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 And it's like the bank was just following what they thought they that I wanted them to do. So to use my executive assistant, he had access to the accounts and stuff. And all I was doing is I was hurt. And instead of targeting my pain towards the person that actually hurt me, 
because and, and I realize my limits. That's something here. Here's something like completely vulnerable. I have limits, which is so difficult to like everybody on this call is, of course, you got limits. You're an idiot. Why would you not think you got limits? But when you're on this like rocket of success and you're having this mass amount of success year after year, month after month, you start thinking whatever you touch turns into gold. And what I realized one of my biggest limits was. And if anybody's have ever had an Achilles surgery out there whatsoever, literally, and not to get too too graphic, your your calf and your Achilles disconnect, right? They tear. They've got to pull down on your calf. They got to pull up on your Achilles, and they've got to sew them together. They've got to sew them together. So imagine like that pain that has to be done. I'm going through that pain. So I've got mental pain. My wife's having to help me dress. My my wife's having to help me go to the bathroom or help hold me up in the shower. There's so much of the embarrassment of feeling like you're needy. Then I'm stuck on the couch. I'm disconnected from my team and work. So I felt like alone. So not only do I feel vulnerable, do I feel needy? Then this financial struggle happens and everything happens with the executive assistant. I was not in the right place of mind to make a calculated, intelligent decision. Mm which could have cost me everything because I was emotionally bankrupt and being aggressive. So the person, the, the entity that I was going after or who I was attacking was not my enemy. They were my ally in the equation. And I cr- made them into my enemy because I was threatening them, which you realize after a while, like you can't really threaten the bank if they if you owe them money and they, they control your money and your money is in their bank. Like you, yeah, you're punching up. Yeah. And I'm attacking. And then you realize I look back, I'm like, how is I such an idiot? I didn't have a clear mind of understanding having clear decisions because I was going through the physical pain, the emotional pain of, of feeling violated, and then the mental pain of being like completely disconnected from my world. Then the ego of feeling embarrassed. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, a hundred percent. So yeah, I feel I feel everything you're saying, and you we can divert this. We can divert this question if you want, but due to the topic of this conversation, a huge portion of both my book and your book, twenty four seven mindset, is in systems and delegation and team and scale because purely passive income is bullshit. Unless you have the right people, the right who's and the right seats. It's such a huge thing to have the executive assistant. And there's a lot of people that are listening to your show and that listen to my show, myself included, that have struggled themselves with hiring an executive assistant and the trust factor and and going Mm -hmm. through things. They don't, we don't know what we don't know. So now that you went through this, and like I said, feel free to divert the question and we can move on. But any advice? for your next hires, for your next people, both in the context of tactically, how to cover the bases, and also emotionally, how to open up the trust and open up the kimono again and feel safe enough. I think you have to open up the kimono and you have to feel safe enough. Like for instance, when my wife, Nikki, and I were married 18 years, but the person I was dating before, before her and I met 19 years ago, she ended up cheating on me. Mm-hmm. But if I would have brought that same baggage to my wife's relationship back then when we were young in it, we would have never got married. We would have never gotten kids because it would have been a toxic relationship. It's like mm-hmm. you're beating up the, the new girlfriend for a mistake that the old girlfriend made. 
So it's the same mindset of I can't beat up the old, the new executive assistant when I'm trying to punish, I'm trying to get back at the, the old executive assistant. So when you talk about both our books are built around systems and models, that's exactly it. My systems and models became archaic when I had 487 doors. Like when you, when they're not archaic, when I had two years later or two years before, there were like 140 doors. The systems and models worked. They were so small, the batch. But now when you've got 11 apartment complexes, almost 500 doors. Yeah, I'll through the systems. You, yeah. And then you start, then I started realizing, okay, my systems are trash when it's that level of scale. But then the team I've built, I've got to spend more money on defense, not just only offense. I spent a lot of my cash flow on offense, which is leasing agents, marketing, social media, getting renters in their occupancy. But I didn't have a, a forensic auditor and a bookkeeper on staff. I've been, I knew that. I read that from books. But having a forensic auditor and a bookkeeper on staff would have cost me about $60,000 a year to have that person on staff. They would have audited the books. So now I've got a bookkeeper on staff and a forensic auditor that audits each property manager's every single invoice that they submit. They pick up a phone and call the vendor and make sure the invoice is exactly the same of what the vendor is thinking it is, and there is no buffered increased amount there. They also make sure the account's receivable. The money that gets wired to the accounts goes to the specific vendor if it's a new AC, new plumbing, whatever the case is. And then they audit the financials on a weekly basis and provide me back reports. The systems have improved and I've spent more money on the defense part of the business instead of only on the offense part of the business. That's probably my biggest takeaway. Two ancillary questions from that. The first ancillary question is, how do I word this? I'm just trying to figure out who's interviewing who today, by the way. But it doesn't, it's just a conversation now. <laughs> <laughs> you just surrender to it, dude. <laughs> just, just let go. <laughs> First ancillary question is, it's really easy when you're... So entre, there's a quote that's like, entrepreneurship is like riding a bull and everyone's, oh, look at that guy riding a bull. And it's super exciting in the beginning. But then you're like, then the other person is like, Holy shit, why am I still on this bull? How do I get off the bull? I don't know what to do. And so uh, one of the first ancillary question I have is when things are going right, when offense is crushing and you're putting up 60 on the scoreboard, at what I'm trying to think, is there a rule of thumb that we can implement? Is there a trigger that we can look out for that pause to where it's you want to mash the gas and strike when the iron's hot, but also it's like, when do we have that self-imposed proactive trigger to go back and say, okay, I'm doing well. I'm at a million. I'm at 5 million. I'm at 10 million. Let's pause for a quarter real quick and readjust the systems. Does that make sense? It definitely does. For instance, like mortgage back then was making 250, 300 grand a month in net. And then Crushing. crushing it. And then the properties were making 50, 40 to 50 grand a month in net. So when you're making almost three hundred thousand dollars a net a month, you're you automatic. Oh, you've seen your bank account go from here to here. You think I would even noticed if I took ten thousand dollars a month and input better, brought the bookkeeping in house, brought the the forensic auditor in house? I would not even noticed. Mm-hmm. But the ego of win after win, and the amorphous high of win after win. 
I was immature as an entrepreneur, as immature as an investor, I was immature as a business owner that I was so focused about my wins, I didn't protect myself from my losses. Mm. Didn't mitigate the downside. Yeah. Gary Keller has a really good quote. I've been diving into Gary Keller. I'm probably on hour 27 of Gary Keller here in Columbia. And he has a quote where he goes, every contract, he doesn't call them agreements. He calls them disagreements. Okay. Yeah. So he's like, because the only time you're going to bring out an agreement is when you disagree on something about the terms, about the relationship and everything. It's funny that you say that. It's that balance of proactiveness. And so another question I have which is it's more of a mental one. Dude, this is more valuable. Like we can get into me and I can share some lessons, but this is more valuable for the audience, for both of ours. Another question I have is like entrepreneurship is a, is a cycle. It's like a, it's a double-edged sword because what you're talking about is the Achilles heel in both directions. I'm sure you've witnessed this on the other side of the spectrum too, where everything's going, your shit doesn't stink. And all you can think about is what's going to go wrong. You can't even focus on the million dollars. All you can focus on is where I haven't been punched in the face in a second. Who's coming for me and where? And all of a sudden, you're anxious when you're winning. Yeah. And a lot of people deal with that in the inverse, too, from what you were saying, where you're like, oh, I'm, I'm God. I'm untouchable. And so I'm trying to ask the question of how do you mentally and emotionally balance offense and defense? It's just... Yeah, that's a billion dollar question. It's much easier than you think. You got to well, stop, yeah. <laughs> stop listening to your tabloids. You've got to stop reading and believing your news clippings. And what I mean by that is when I'm on stages getting inducted to the Mortgage Hall of Fame, when the book is coming out, Wall Street Journal bestselling author, when the academy is getting filled out, when there's residual income coming in and now you've got all these successes and awards. For me, I started thinking my success was because of me. And this is vulnerable. I'm just being completely like transparent here. I di- I disconnected myself from God. And when I was taking all the credit for all the blessings that he was blessing me with, because without those opportunities that he would have blessed me with, nothing would have ever happened. But I feel like the negative things that happened in 2023 was to humble me and bring me down to, for me to understand that my success and my blessings is because God has chosen to bless me and chosen to give me these opportunities to succeed. He deserves the credit, not me. And I was starting Mm. to give myself the credit. I was starting to believe I was successful because of me. It's because I read a, I've read a book a week. It's because I implement what I read. It's because I worked hard. I converted this. And you start listening to your own tabloids and believing your own press about yourself that you've realized really quickly that it could go just like that. And it did. And it was something that God chose to show me to grab my attention. And it reminds me of being a little kid and the way I'd, I'd always like, Great salesman, even when I was like five, 10 years old. And for a mom to ever get my attention, she'd have to grab my ear, turn, and pull. If you've ever done that, hurts like hell, but it captures your attention. I felt because of my success was doing like this, and I was starting to believe it was because of my own hype, God had to grab my ear, turn, Twisted. and pull. And I'm so happy that He did. Not only do I now do I feel closer to God, 
But now I've rebuilt my systems. Instead of 500 doors, I rebuilt them from 5,000 doors. I rebuilt my models. Instead of 500 doors, I've rebuilt my models for 5,000 doors. Now, you talked earlier about it's not the what, it's not the why, it's the who. Now I'm recruiting talent to my world that is growing it to to God knows end because it's the who. You don't think of any of those things when you think your success is about you. You just think whatever Mm -hmm. you do is automatically going to win. I explain that well. Yeah. The quote that I try to remind myself of, I believe it's from Aristotle. He says, I know one thing and that is that I know nothing. Yeah. And so it's, it's a, I may get that tattooed on me. Have you read the book? <laughs> have you read the book? I've got, it's funny. I've made the joke because I have Nanio Critico Kekanta on my thigh with a, a giant picture of the Colosseum in, okay. in Rome. And it's Italian for it's not the critic who counts. And it's okay. from the man in the arena quote, where it's not the man who counts. It's not the, where the spectator points out how the doer of deeds could have done them better. It's the, the credit belongs to the man in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood and dirt, who strives yeah. valiantly, who errs. And so it's what you're talking about. And it's, dude, this is even this conversation, like this is the closest that I've felt to you, like yeah. through this conversation. Because I let, I'll like, let you in it, though. You, yes, because you yeah. let you dropped down the facade and you're like, yo, this is what being in the fucking arena looks like. Yeah. This is what it looks like. And it's and people are taking selfies in the Coliseum and people are doing this and they forget people are swinging swords and bleeding. Yeah. And that's the actual meat and potatoes of it. Have you read The Surrender Experiment, the book? No, what's that? Great book. It's by Michael Singer who wrote, he, he wrote, I think, The Untethered Soul or something. So right. yeah, I read that. Yeah, the premise of the book is he just was, and it's not necessarily from a religious context, but it can be applied in because I'm Christian as well. But he talks about nature exists perfectly when you leave it to itself. And then you bring in humanity and then humans, like we, we have this, we are so unsatisfied because we have this idea of what things should be. And then when they aren't that way, then that's where the root of unhappiness is found. But he goes, if you just accept what happens and flow with it instead of fighting it, then your life will take you where it's supposed to take you. And the only time people get hung up is when you are banging your head against the wall and you're like, no, I I get the signs that are telling me to go this direction, but I'm going to ignore that over and over again. And so it's funny that you say that because when I was traveling and to go back to after that panic attack, the main reason I was having that panic attack was because I was holding on so tightly to my relationship at the time. And I was for sure, I come from a broken household, single parent household. And I never even saw my parents kiss. I never saw my parents like sleep in the same bedroom. It was to that degree. I thought it was normal for your mom and your dad to sleep in different bedrooms because my dad was cheating perpetually throughout the entire marriage. And I just didn't ever realize this. So they did a good job of keeping it from us. The moral of the story is I grew up and I went through college and I was just not the most dateable person. And I had a story I was telling myself of that I may not be capable of this. I don't even know what love looks like. How am I capable of giving or receiving it? I've never even seen it, right? And then I get into my first, my actual adult relationship for about three years. And I was like, I finally did it. I pulled it off. Like, I'm great at this. I can do this. And we're going to get married. We're going to have kids. We're going to ride off into the sunset. And we traveled together and we were in Greece together. And the one thing on my list that I didn't have 
that could go wrong was us breaking up. Yeah. In Mykonos for the first month of the trip that I was paying for, which I still <laughs> hold some resentment from if we're being honest. And so that, but I had just read the book. I believe books come to you at the right time when you're yeah. supposed to read them. And I just read the book and it helped me through that depression for about six to seven months. So while I was traveling, while I was building my business, while I was doing all this stuff, I was like clinically depressed. So I went to about 12 countries. And as I went there, I did some of the tourist stuff, but I didn't have the fun experiences that you see on Instagram and stuff. Like some of the viral videos were from those moments, but there was just like fleeting moments of happiness within the the depression of just sitting in the suck and going through it. Yeah. You can't avoid it. But I just was realizing, I was like, okay, this is like supposed to happen for a reason. What can I learn from this? What's coming on the horizon? And then that's where my business was born. That's where my going from me to we and all everything was born. And now this year has been the greatest year of my life in 2023. And I was able to go travel. I was able to go have fun. I was able to build this business and help these people. And so it's the same thing as you. But you get punched in the face and you can either get really angry at it. And when things go wrong, you can either get mad at it. Like you said, get curious. I think that's so important because it's an inevitability for things to happen. You can't <laughs> turn that faucet off, but you can control how you react to them. Yep. And it, it, it's, yeah. So I, it's, I think it's, it's, well, I think I want you to finish that th- closing thought. And so I've, I need to ask for a favor. These are usually 30 minutes and we've gone over 50. I think that's how, how well you and I gel together. Number one, man, Sorry. I love for you to, I love to, you and I, I've got another one here in about four minutes, but I would love for you to come back and talk about your book, man. I really, (laughs) I think it's a huge mindset around passionate income. And I really, I'd love to spend some time with you for you to expand on passion income instead of just passive income. Correct. But uh, also the favor I have from you though, is I need you to save this. Please send this to me. Like this is going to be more important than either one of our individual interviews. (laughs) Like I want to put right. this on my show. I want to put this on my show because, like, we could talk about your book, and pe- and people will be like, "Oh, this is cool," but it's not yeah. going to match like what happened here. Like what happened here from both of our shows will make more people go by from passive to passionate. Will make more people go by twenty four seven mindset. Like this, this is a special episode. Please well, send this to me. If you delete this, I'm literally going to come and hunt you. Down. <laughs> <laughs> like this is perfect. This is the greatest one I've done in months. This is yeah. awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. All right, bud. I love you. When do you come back to the States? I'm coming back in January. I'm going to go do the Recruit Select for Keller Williams. Yeah, with the new awesome. CEO. I want to, yeah, I want to learn how to do all that. Who's the, who's the instructor? Mark Willis, new Dude, CEO. That's phenomenal. Who? When is it? January 11th and 12th. I'll be down there. And then the last week of January, I'm going to... Maui to go be with Brandon Turner for his podcast. Okay. And then after that, we're doing Cabo for the retreat. So do me a favor, text me those dates for Austin career visioning. And I'm going to see if I can free up my calendar and make it out, man. It'd be cool to take class with you. I've taken it 11 times and <laughs> it's absolutely life-changing every single time I take it. I can't wait. And now that Mark Willis is new for the CEO, and I'm not even in Keller Williams. I'm just yeah. adjacent. Neither am I. Neither am I. Yeah, it's awesome. And Matt King is the one that introduced me. Dude, You'll yeah. It. It, please send me that. I want to put this up next week, dude. This is like the best. All right, Alec, can you yeah. make sure Alec, Alec, Alec can say he's on it? 
I will come for you, dude. Save this. <laughs> send it for me. Dude, you, I will post this. You will get, and we'll edit this out. Yeah. You'll get 100 messages from this. This is awesome, more beneficial buddy. than anything we could have written. It's, I think God's got a plan and we let it flow. And you know, let it flow. these are about. So, it's perfect, all right, brother. Man. I'll talk to you all soon. Right. See you, buddy. Yeah.